Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're listening to this before July 6th, 2018, I'm giving away 100 copies of each of my books. 100 winners will get one copy each of all three of my books. Text book giveaway to 44222. Again, that's a book giveaway to 44222 before July 6th, 2018, end of the day. This is the pre-med year, session number 293. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a medical student. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week for The Pre-Med Years. I haven't done this in a while. I would love for you to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Now, Google Podcasts just launched for Android devices, but they don't have any ratings yet. So in the future, if you're listening on Android phone in Google Podcasts, you can leave a review there as well. But right now, if you're listening on an Apple device, I would love a rating and review in iTunes. We're up near 700 ratings and reviews, which is amazing. This week, I have a special guest, someone who is starting medical school next month as we record this, and someone who struggled to get into medical school his first time because he was very open and transparent about his struggles with alcohol. He didn't get in the first time, but he got in the second time. And we're going to talk all about how that was and why that was right now. Michael, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me, Dr. Gray. Pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk to you because I think there are a lot of students who will be able to relate to your story and who have potentially been told by pre-med advisors, by physicians, by potentially medical schools that there's no way based on your history, your background, that you will ever get into medical school. And yet- you're starting medical school soon. So mm-hmm. it's a false fear. I mean, it's a potential fear, but a false one based on your story. So I want to start off with how I always start off and ask you, how did you, or when did you first realize you wanted to be a physician? Sure. Um, well, pretty typical, I think. My, I first realized I wanted to be a physician when I was a kid. Uh, my mom was a an RN. She still is. And, uh, yeah, I got exposed to medicine pretty early and I, 
I, I just always had this idea that, uh, I don't know, being a doctor would be cool. And I didn't really understand what it meant, uh, but it seemed like they were really smart. And when I was a kid, uh, I just wanted to be able to do what they did. And uh, yeah, my, I, yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's just <laughs> something I always wanted to do since, yeah. ever since I was a kid. I don't uh, know how to explain it. A very common a very common story for for a child of a healthcare worker, right? You're around Definitely. a nurse. Why not nurse, right? Your mom's a nurse. Why not look at being a nurse? Why why were you drawn to that doctor side? Uh, I I don't know. I really can't explain that. I I, I think I know there was a couple times where I had asked my mom uh, a question, like just I just found myself interested in anatomy and physiology and disease and I would ask her questions about it and oftentimes she wouldn't have an answer for me but she would refer me to the physician she says I don't know but you know Dr. So-and-so I bet he would know he's really smart and so it just always that, that sort of put in my mind this idea that if I was gonna if I wanted to know those things I'd have to learn what the doctors knew so yeah so yeah. you you know from an early age you want to be a doctor so it's smooth sailing from there you go to a great undergrads you get perfect grades and you apply to medical school and you get in right it's that easy totally <laughs> <laughs> if Not if only yeah, yeah so so let's start off because because your story is one of hardship and and struggle and ultimately yeah. triumph yeah when was the first kind of stumble for you as you went through this process to, to be totally honest, my first stumble was in middle school. Because, uh, so, yeah, I'm, I grew up, my, both my parents were, so my mom was an alcoholic, and she's sober now, been sober for like 21 years. And my dad, when I was a kid, was a meth addict. And he moved away when I was eight uh, to get away from all the, the trouble that seemed to find him in our hometown. And I had an older brother, and he was uh, always getting into trouble and uh, sort of a, <laughs> not a healthy role model, but a role model for me. And uh, I was always hanging out with him. And I got, I got into like, you know, drinking beer and smoking pot when I was in middle school, you know. And, uh, and, I've, and I, at the same time, though, like I, I always wanted to do good at school because I, I knew as a kid, you know, if you wanted to be a doctor, you had to get the best grades. And in middle school, I found myself not doing that. And I, I made the connection between, you know, smoking pot and drinking and just almost failing out of school. So, uh, and my mom had gotten sober by that time and she noticed what was going on and sat down and had a talk with me and basically told me, she's like, hey, honey, check it out. If you just do all your homework, you can't help but get a B. And for some reason, that just hit me. And I and and I started doing that. And like, and my grades just took this upward upward trend. And uh, and I started I started getting straight A's eventually. And uh, and that's and that was so that was like my first turnaround. And that and by the time I got into high school, you know, I was getting straight A's. Uh, you know, I was on the football team. I was, you know, just doing all sorts of extracurricular stuff. And were you still uh, drinking and smoking and all that stuff on top I of was. doing your yeah, gr so, your your homework? Right. 
Yeah, so alcoholism is a progressive disease. And basically, uh, at a young age, it hadn't progressed to the point where it was not controllable for me. And so I was, I was able to, you know, relegate my drinking and smoking to, you know, the weekends or just, you know, a couple times here and there. And uh, to be totally honest, like, it, it was me, my, my grades and, and my work as a, a student athlete, like really provided a good cover for me. Because like people wouldn't expect me to be doing all this wild stuff, you know, if I was, you know, the, the straight A student, you know, so I was, yeah, I was able to, I was able to keep all that up, but throughout high school, it, it progressively got worse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And by the time I, I say by the time, uh, I sent my college apps in and football season had ended in, uh, what was it? Uh, winter or fall of 2004, um, I went on vacation. It's like, all right, my work's done. You know, uh, there's not really much else for me to do. And I was always like, I, I always remember like I was working so hard and I'd get home at like six or seven every day and like be up late doing my homework. And, uh, and I, I had all these friends who I'd party with on the weekends and like they were getting out of school at, like 2.50, you know, 3 o'clock or one thirty every other day. And, and I wanted that, you know, I wanted to go have it easy, you know, mm -hmm. and go hang out. And uh, so once once most of my responsibilities were done, like I really took advantage of that. And uh, I like to say I went on vacation for about seven years. <laughs> and I basically, you know, I went into college uh, with some hopes, you know, and aspirations to do really well. Um, but like I said, alcoholism is a progressive disease, and uh, it got to a point where uh, I couldn't control it anymore. I didn't have a say, and I lost the power of choice. And um, I, I, I remember back in high school, there were kids who were smoking pot or hanging out in the parking lot before school and not going to their first class of the day. And that would just freak me out. I'm like, how could you guys do that? Don't you know you, like, you have a future, you know, and, and it's in this, it's in those those classrooms you know like what are you going to do with the rest of your life if you're not going to school and you flunk out you know and but by the time it got to to college for me I was that kid and I wasn't going to school and uh and I was looking at everybody else you know rationalizing in my head all oh, that you know there nobody else knows what's what's really good you know they're all going to school being drones or whatever and and I'm going to be over here uh doing my own thing being creative and stuff like that it really it was a, it was all a bunch of BS. I was just telling myself stuff. But uh, what what yes. happens when you finally realize that that you weren't in control anymore? Uh, you sort of hope that it's a phase. <laughs> like, uh, well, maybe I'll grow out of this. You know, I'll I'll, I'll mature because I mean I have friends who are who are doing the same stuff as I did, and then eventually one day they they just got out of it and they just sort of. You know, they got their stuff together and they they went off and went on with their lives and they left all the drinking and boozing and, and drugging behind. Um, but that just wasn't my case. And and then it got to a point where it was like, OK, well, I saw my mom go to AA and get sober uh, and I saw that change like she changed completely. And like that was that was like, OK, well, if I if. I ever get to the point where I need real help, I'm going to do what she did because I saw that it works. Mm. Um, 
But then it got to a point where I was like, F man, like, I don't even know if I can quit. I don't even know if I'll ever quit. And that was Did you really want to? Place. I did. Oh yeah, there were totally times where I wanted to, but you know, there's just that's just the cunning and baffling nature of that disease, man. It's yeah. just like it it doesn't matter what you want, you know? I mean, uh it's just pure insanity. I mean, some what at some point in the day, I mean, you you change your mind and be like, "Oh, you know what? It wasn't that bad. You know, <laughs> let's get things started again," you know? And uh yeah. And then, I mean, one day though, after I graduated from college, you know, and I had, uh, I basically squandered four years of, uh, an incredible education. Um, you know, I didn't realize how many opportunities are afforded to matriculated undergrads until I left. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I, and I, and I had spent, you know, I graduated from one of the best public universities in the world. And, um, and I spent the next year putting tags on clothes in the back of a surf shop. Um, because, uh, yeah, it was 2009, but my, my, my job had nothing to do with the economy. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was like, that was all my choices, man. And I saw this and I was like, this just doesn't fit. And, uh, but I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. I just, I, I didn't, that just wasn't in me to, to stop what I was doing. And I, I, I was just sort of in this vicious cycle. Um, well, you, you graduated, but, right? You graduated yeah. college. Did By the skin of my teeth. Yeah. Were, were there any times where you were almost kicked out because you were failing or, or did you do decently well? Cause you were able to control it enough. I was able to control it enough. I did. I did. Okay. I think I graduated with a 2.5. Okay. Yeah. Two. Yeah, two point five nine. I remember, and um, so not not yeah, med school material, not med school material <laughs> by any means. Um, but I I I do remember my sophomore year. This was the last semester that I had taken uh, the pre med courses because um, I, I spent my first three semesters on the pre med track, failing miserably. Uh, actually failing classes, getting uh, Fs and Ds and mm. D minuses. And, uh, and then I got sent to this sort of save your semester workshop and it wasn't any probationary thing. It was just sort of, Hey, check it out. You're not doing so well. Uh, here's what you can do to, to, to do better, you know? And, uh, but that's about it. And then I switched, I switched majors and, um, and I, and you know what, tell you that, you know, it's like. I did well in school also because I didn't want the party to end, you know, like part of, part of me continuing to like keeping my grades up was, was so that, uh, I don't know. It's not like I was planning on doing anything with it. I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to leave school, you know, I didn't want to have nothing to do. And, uh, so yeah, sort of that, that sort of motivated me to, to, keep keep showing up yeah at least the best i could uh, so you graduate college you're working at a surf yeah. shop yeah at what point did you say enough's enough and and what did you do uh it was it was in december of 2010 um about a year and a half after i graduated and 
I'm, I'm hanging out with my, I'm hanging out with my buddies, uh, all my roommates. I'm living in this pad with a bunch of these amateur skateboarders, and it's just the place is a, the place is a mess. And we're, we're, uh, we're going out to, to, we're going out for a party and, uh, or to a bar, and I had just enough money in my bank account to pay my rent. No savings. There's no, you know, parents don't have any trust fund for me. I mean, this is it. This is how I've been living, you know, just by the skin of my teeth. And uh, I give my rent check to my roommate, but I'm, I still wanted to go party. So I was like, hey, just hold on to this check. I'm going to go back home and figure out some money over the weekend. Let's go have some fun. The next day, I ask him if he still has the check, and he's like, no, I cashed it. I'm sorry. I was like, oh, man. So once again, my bank account's in the red. Once again, you know, I have no resources. Um, and it, it really wasn't any, like, it wasn't very climactic, um, but it was just the same story over and over. I get, you know, like my bottom wasn't any one particular point. It was just day after day waking up to this terrible realization that all those great plans I had for my life were not going to happen. And the best way I could describe it was that I was just tired. I was tired of hustling. I was tired of stealing. I was tired of lying and cheating people. And, um, and I wanted a change. And there's just something inside me had changed. I had finally hit this place where uh, I didn't want to do what I was doing anymore. Like intellectually, I could understand that back in the last you know decade before that. But in that moment, I, I knew to my core, this isn't what I want to be doing anymore. And so I turned myself into my parents or my mom and asked her for some help. And um, they got me hooked up in the, in the 12-step program. And then it took me like, I don't know, six months. I kept relapsing and just drinking and stuff. But eventually I got sober. And uh, I've been sober coming up on seven years um, in a couple of weeks. That's awesome. Um, Congrats. Yeah. Thanks. Knowing yeah. knowing your history and knowing that you had these aspirations of becoming a physician mm-hmm. and your mom being in healthcare and being an alcoholic, uh, mm-hmm. now sober, mm-hmm. were there any discussions with her or searches on the internet or discussions with anybody else to determine could you still go to medical school, become a physician with your past? Uh. Yeah, I my mom wasn't very helpful in that respect. Uh, I just is yeah. I mean, I who did I talk to? I just I just I didn't really know what I wanted to do at that point. I I had actually convinced myself that uh, becoming a physician was lost. Like that was something that just wasn't an option for me anymore. Um, and. And then that sort of transformed into the idea of, well, maybe it, maybe it is possible, but man, that's going to be a lot of work. You got to dig yourself out of a deep hole, Bubba. And I, and I thought, yeah, maybe not. And then, uh, and then, and then I was talking to my sponsor, my AA sponsor, and he asked me, he's like, what do you want? What have you always wanted to do? And I was like, I always wanted to be a doctor. And he said, well, why don't you try for it? You know, I mean, why not? why not just try? And, and I thought, well, yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be worthwhile? 
to to just make the effort, even if it took half a decade, you know, wouldn't that be worth the effort? Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, so I so I went for it, and I didn't know I didn't know how to how to go about it. Yeah, I did some internet searches, and I did I didn't know who to talk to, and uh, and so my first uh, and I and I oh I I searched uh, I found out what a postback was, and I only knew of formal postback programs, mm-hmm. and they all had minimum GPA requirements, which I didn't meet obviously. Yeah, uh, and so. I just started going to community college, just taking classes. I took a, uh, I just took some difficult classes at community colleges just to prove that I could still do, uh, you know, um, hard work. And and then I applied to a couple postback programs. I got rejected from all of them. And then I found uh, one postback program that was informal and open enrollment. Mm-hmm. And, um, and because of that, I had some, uh, I had some doubts, like, uh, am I sure this is, you know, is this like, is this legit, you know, are schools going to accept this stuff? And, um, turns out they do. So, uh, yeah, I, I was, and I was working full time at, at this point. Uh, I had gotten a job with my father who had actually just moved back to, to where, uh, to California where I live and. Uh, started working there again and we started rekindling our relationship and he got me a job and, and for the last six years I had been working with him Monday through Friday uh, and developing a relationship with him. So that's, that's another story, um, you know, and, uh, and while I was working there, I started going to this informal post back, uh, back starting in 2013 and, uh, just going to school at night and on the weekends, and uh, and I started volunteering at a at a hospital um, where I lived, and so I did all that for for four years on the at night and on the weekends. And I remember the first the first two years I did, uh, gosh, I took I took three classes and uh, nonstop every every quarter, no breaks, and it was just it was nuts, man. I, I remember. I just remember not just the way it worked out. Uh, the The university where the where the postback was, they had a spring break, but for some reason we didn't. And so, like, I took a final Saturday morning, and then the next Monday I'm starting my next my next quarter. You know, and I I look back at those those two years and I think to myself, you know, how did you do all that? You know, but um, as you were some. As you were going through that process, right, four years of school, yeah, were there any doubts of am I doing this for nothing, right? Of of I don't I still don't know if I can get into medical school a because of my my prior grades or b because of my my past alcoholism. Yeah, I well, I I definitely uh, checked my criminal record and uh i don't have a criminal record which is uh you got lucky very there. good yeah good very lucky <laughs> i was i i was always i'll tell you what though man i was always safe because I, I always knew i wanted there i there's something in the back of my mind even even while i was getting loaded all those years like i i wanted something for myself in the future and so i was always very careful 
And so, like, whenever I was hanging out with my buddies doing, you know, hood rat stuff or whatever, it's like I I was always the annoying kid who was like, hey, we should probably go now. You know what I mean? Or like, <laughs> hey, what's that? We're going to get rolled. You know what I mean? And, That's uh, good. You still had that little voice in your head. I did. I did. I had that little voice in my head. And it paid off because I, I never, yeah, I never got caught, I guess. <laughs> That's good. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, I mean... Yeah, I, I, I looked at my chances, and um, I don't know. There was also some overconfidence, I think, on my part. Um, I, I thought, well, you know, if I just get straight A's, they're gonna, people are going to look past the, the, the 2.59 GPA and the lack of any extracurriculars, and uh, they're going to they're gonna see I'm a changed man, you know? But, uh yeah. Wasn't wasn't the case the first time around. Yeah, so let's talk about. So you applied the first, you applied the first application cycle, the first time you applied. Yeah. What happened with that application cycle? How many schools you applied to? How many interviews did you get? I applied to twenty one MD schools. I got zero interviews. Why? Because I admitted my alcoholism. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's what I think. That's that's yeah. that's my that's my uh, assessment of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I was I was advised by many people, including yourself, not to include um, that part of my story. Yeah. Um, not because it has no value, but because there's a lot of stigma out there um, about mental health and about. Um, alcoholism in, in general, uh, well, physicians and drug addiction, which yeah. is, it's well-founded, man. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a serious deal. And, um, I also, I also think that there may not be a whole lot of faith in the, uh, in the plasticity of the mind and in, um, just in, in the value of the lessons that are learned by somebody who's, been around the block so to speak or been to the bottom you know um emotionally and uh uh physically you know i just and spiritually it's just like yeah i mean i've 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 seen the contradictions in my behavior and i've seen uh i don't know and 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 i've just i've i feel like I can I can look at other people's behavior now and and, and not I don't know I just I feel like I don't I mean I still judge people you know I think we're always everybody's going to yeah. be a little judgy but like I I can still understand it though you know like yeah, yeah I get it you know uh, so so you I, got you got feedback that before you applied I'm assuming I think yeah. I gave you the feedback after you had already applied to say why did you yeah. write about this um, yeah, yeah. why did you ignore everybody's advice or the the people that gave you that advice and and say this is my story i'm going to tell it and it's going to go well i i think first mostly because i didn't know how else to explain my undergraduate performance okay i i didn't know i i didn't realize that yeah 2.59 is is uh it's not good but you don't have to blame all that on alcoholism. I yeah. mean, yeah, there's other there's other reasons, and uh, yeah. So 
but yeah, that's the only thing I could think of. It, and then also, I just thought it it may be a strong candidate. I, I thought that uh, it, it showed resilience and uh, mm-hmm. it showed potential for a lot of com- you know that I have a lot of compassion and I can't have that for my yeah. patients. Hundred percent. Uh, it's it's yeah. interesting. I I talked recently on a Facebook Live about somebody who who has some mental health um, issues. I think was diagnosed with bipolar, and mm-hmm. and I told her like I told you, leave it out of your application. Right? It doesn't belong in your application. And and somebody wrote in and was like, hey, like I can't believe as a physician you're stigmatizing this and blah blah blah. I'm like, look, in the perfect absolute no judgment world. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't matter, right? But right. when you have 8,000 applications and there's a potential risk of the stress of medical school worsening bipolar disorder, um, causing a relapse of alcoholism, whatever, right? The, the, the mm-hmm. stress of medical school is something you've never faced before. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a risk. And so, yes, in the perfect world, being sober shows your resilience and shows that you've overcome but it's also mm-hmm. still a potential risk for that medical school. Um, sure. Are you going to be a, a, a safety threat to yourself, to fellow students, to whoever, right? right. Um, so that's something that they have to think about. I, I had this discussion with an admissions committee member at, at a conference I was just at. We were talking about this. So, But you told your story. You didn't get any acceptances. So you yeah. or any interviews. Uh no. You reapply, you rework your personal statement to help explain your grades without diving into alcoholism. Yes. Do you feel like now you're being disingenuous and you're trying to hide things about yourself? How do you how do you reconcile that fact now? Uh yeah, there when I when I wrote my personal statement and I sort of I went from this desire to be a doctor as a child and my current situation or my, my most recent effort to become a doctor, um, there was a definite gap that I just sort of let sit there. And I said, well, you know, they're going to, people are going to take it as, as they see it, I guess. Um, but yeah, there there was a there was a I, I did feel a little disingenuous, but at the same time, um, I I felt that uh, I only needed to put down the most pertinent information, mm-hmm. and uh, and I felt like yeah that that part of my story, um, while it is my story, may not be uh, may not be appropriate for this venue, so. Yeah. yeah, I left it out. And you got some interviews? I got, or at least I got one. three interviews. Okay, yeah. got three interviews. Three interviews, two acceptances, one wait list. Did, yeah. did your past ever come up? Did, did you, were you more willing to talk about it in an interview setting or did you just completely avoid it altogether? Oh, no, I talked about it. I, whenever they brought it up, each one of my interviews was, uh, was closed, no, um, or close, what do they call it? Close book? Um, close file. It was close file, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so they didn't know. Um, but actually, one of the interviews, they, they asked for a resume, and I put my GPA and my MCAT score on the <laughs> resume. <laughs> and then they asked me about it. Yeah. Um, and what, but, did you, uh, what did you talk about? Oh, I, tell, I told them that I was, uh, yeah, I was a young man who, uh, 
who lacked the maturity and the fortitude to really address his responsibilities, which is true. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't have what it took at the time. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could say I was a late bloomer. Yeah. Um, you could also say that I, I grew up without a whole lot of guidance. I mean, I did, I, Dr. Gray, I did, I did all that in high school on my own, man. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, my mom was getting sober, but like, she, you know, she, she had her own things going on and high school was kind of easy, you know? Yeah. Um, and I didn't have, I didn't have any male role models when I was growing up and, and I just did all that on my own. And then I, I got to college and, uh, you know, I just, Dude, I, I saw all these people um, doing so well. Everybody seems so well adjusted, which was not the truth, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody has their issues, but that was my perception. And uh, man, I took it personally, you know. And uh, and I was just so uncomfortable all the time. I just I had to seek some sort of escape, you know. Yeah. So um, this is a common story. Yeah. What? Oh so so talking about not being well adjusted, not acting appropriately, still immature. That's different yeah. than saying um, I, I I turned to the bottle to to ease my discomfort, right, and and escape, right. So you you weren't specifically saying, yeah, I was I was an alcoholic in the interviews. No, no, I was not. Okay. okay. Yeah, and no, I left all that out, and um, and mostly just because people didn't need to know that. I mean, that's what that's what how what I was advised, um, you know, by all the physicians that I talked to and the advisors. They said, hey. They don't need to know that. That's not that's not pertinent information for them, and uh, so that's what I went with. Yeah, looking in the future, and and I'll, I'll challenge you a little bit. So, looking in the future, you're taking care of patients, um, and mm-hmm. you're you're dealing with an alcoholic in the future, mm-hmm. drug addict in mm-hmm. the future. Do you reveal to your future patients your past struggles, or is it just it's completely gone no. and moving forward? It's it's just it was your past, and and you are who you are now. No, I I, I would not I would not break my anonymity with my patients um, because I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to jeopardize uh, my my position wherever I'm working, mm-hmm. and uh, you know potentially. Uh, negate my ability to help other people in the future. Um, but I would definitely practice the principles that I've learned over the years, like compassion and, uh, and really understanding. I mean, it's, it's, it's so important in order to, in order to produce, in order to respond appropriately, uh, to what's in front of me, I have to be able to perceive it accurately. And what that what that means is I have to seek to understand what I'm looking at. And oftentimes, in order to understand something, I have to I have to really set aside my current ideas. Mm-hmm. And and that takes that that that's hard sometimes. <laughs> look, um, look at our political climate right now. Nobody wants to put aside <laughs> sure. their current thoughts. No. Yeah. Right. Everybody wants to win, and uh, and and we're so identified with our with our positions. You know, we we feel like if we if we don't. If we don't come out victorious, we're we're facing annihilation somehow. But like, uh, what I'm what I'm saying though with the alcoholic is is that uh, yeah, I get it. It's a disease, and it's mm-hmm. it's not something that I can just you know because I shadowed some physicians. They're like, okay, so you're not gonna do that again, right? <laughs> and I'm just sort of I'm standing off to the side. I'm like, no, yeah, they are. You know, this is 
this is not something that you can, you know, you can't give an alcoholic an ultimatum. Um, that's just not how it works. And, uh, yeah, so I, I would, so, Gosh, so as you go through this process, right, you start medical school next month in, yeah. in August as we're recording this, mm-hmm. how do you, un, unknowing, unsure, uh, unaware of what's to come, right, everybody, we, we kind of scare all the students, of, oh, it's drinking from a fire hose, and it's the most stressful yeah. time in your life, it's also the most fun time of your life, uh, yeah. how do you how do you deal with that moving forward? How are you going to prepare yourself to, to stay away from those temptations? Well, for me, the temptation has been removed. You know, I'm, I've, I, after taking, you know, the, the course of action that I've taken, I feel like I've been placed in this position of neutrality where, um, you know, I don't, I don't need to shield myself from from booze and uh, or or difficult situations, um, but at the same time, I know um, that I I'll never be able to safely take a drink again. Um, I I think with regards to medical school and and uh, I I need to keep an open mind um, and not uh, sort of tell myself how well i should be doing with something that i've never done before Mm -hmm. um and then also to take advantage of uh the the support that i have i mean it's it's a team effort and so i need to be able to ask my fellow students for help and then also honor that relationship by coming up with my end of the bargain you know and and being as helpful as i can um and I, I think, you know, in, in the last seven years, that's been such a big part of my life, uh, just being of service to the people I'm involved with um, is so helpful for me. Um, I Oftentimes that, that fear you were talking about is, um, is a fear that I'm, I'm not going to get what I want or I'm going to lose something that I already have. And, uh, and uh, fear is a great, there's a great acronym for fear. It's false evidence appearing real. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the more that I can be of service to people and, and participate in the, uh, and honor the agreements that I make, uh, the more I realize that I'm, everything's okay. You know, I don't, I don't need more than I've already got. And uh, yeah. And, and also, I'm, I'm going to still be going to AA meetings, you know, I'm still going to be working my program. I'm still going to be calling my sponsor every day. There's three guys that I sponsor still, and they call me every day. And, and hopefully we can, I'm going to try to maintain that, you know what I mean? Over the next four years, um, and, and be of service to them and, and, uh, uh, continue to help, help them in their lives and be available. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going for. So we'll see. See how it goes. You know, I'm definitely going to keep an open mind and 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 and, tr- and remain flexible and make adjustments where where they need to be made. So. With two acceptances and one wait list, as you were interviewing, touring the schools, were yeah. you actively looking at seeking out information on the support that the schools had, so that 
if you had the chance of multiple acceptances to see which schools would be able to support you from a, a mental health standpoint in the future? I did. I looked in a little bit. Um, and I, I definitely went with, uh, the schools, the school that had just, I don't know, when I went to interview, what kind of vibe did I get from the school? You know, how, how invested were these people in their students? And the school that I chose, um, was, it was hands down. They were, they, they appeared to me to be the most involved, interactive, uh, invested in their students. So, um, yeah, that was, that was a big deal for me. And, and also I didn't, I didn't have a chance to, to investigate the, uh, the 12 step community in those areas, but it's a, it's a global thing. It's always available everywhere you go. So, yeah. Lots of friends of Bill. Is that his? A lot of friends of Bill. Friends Bill, of Bill W. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Moving forward, a, a lot of people choose their specialty, choose their career based on their upbringing or based on personal experiences. Are, mm-hmm. are you interested in addiction medicine or do you have something totally else uh, that you're interested in? Um, yeah, I, I don't find myself interested in addiction medicine so far as it, as it stands right now. Um, I think, you know, the approach that I took, which is uh, which was a, a spiritual one, uh, fundamentally or foundationally. Um, I, I, I don't think that coincides well with what, how medicine's addressing addiction. And I'm not saying that one is better than the other. Um, but just the way that I, the way that I've approached addiction personally has worked for me and I've seen it work really well in a lot of people's lives. I did just recently read a book uh, by, oh gosh, Michael Pollan um, called How to Change Your Mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the new, it's about uh, psychedelic research that's going on right now. There's a lot and, of research going on in psychedelics. Yeah. And uh, it's, and I, I just finished that last week and it's, it seems hopeful. Um, seems like there's a lot more uh, research that needs to be done. And uh, so that, that definitely interests me. Um, but then other than that, now I've, I really like internal medicine uh, mm. and I really like surgery. And I think I'm going to have to make a decision whether <laughs> I want to do a surgical or a medical specialty. Yes, yes you will. In the future. <laughs> that, is a, that is a guaranteed you will have to make a decision. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, if I, I, I might try to go into something, maybe that's more, a little more procedural, um, okay. on the internal medicine side, but, uh, I not, not too sure yet, but. Well, as we, as we wrap up here for the student listening to this, who, who may be sober himself or herself, uh, may be yeah. trying to get sober, but still has that dream of becoming a physician. What words of wisdom do you have to wrap up? Oh, um, you know, it's, uh, it's possible, I guess. I, I mean, it, it sounds so cliche, but, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I had a lot of doubts. I had a lot of doubts. I had a lot of fears. And, uh, you know, after getting 21 rejections, uh, last year, um, you know, and having just done so well in school and on the MCATs and with my volunteer program and everything, I, uh, it just didn't didn't make sense to me, 
And I actually, once I got my last rejection, I got my last rejection from, uh, from Creighton and I had, I had gone to Creighton and like talked to the professor or the, the, the deans and everything. And we, we got along really well and they were really interested in my story. And once I got the rejection from them, I got sick for like four weeks. And, uh, and I, and I remember saying to myself, like, man, during that application process, if I ever have to do this again, I don't think I could do this again. It's just such an arduous deal. Um, but there's always a, there's always somewhere deeper you can go to, to dig uh, and find that, find the energy and, and find the inspiration and find that hope. It's there even if you can't see it at the moment. It's there. You just got to keep digging. All right, there you have it. Again, that was Michael talking about his journey from being raised in a family with alcoholism, with addiction, struggling with it himself, starting way back in middle school and how he carried that with him through college and what it was that finally got him to get sober, clean up his life, and actually succeed on his journey to medical school. I wish Michael the best of luck. If you're struggling with addiction yourself, please seek help. You can call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration helpline at 1-800-662-4357. Again, that's 1-800-662-4357. I wish you the best of luck on your journey to medical school. If you've struggled, if you've failed, if you've had to overcome, there's still hope if this is what you want. And Michael proves that this can be done. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. Yeah.